we started with one single community. If you're not embarrassed about your MVP, you probably built too much. We basically said that we will not put a limit on number of people that can join the community. Whatever we launched, day one retention was like the core of a thing. Four to five hundred came out without a marketer on the team. Yeah. How did that come about? User engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business. We are here to change that. Hi, this is Ankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds in user engagement to help you navigate the why, what, and how of this subject. And welcome to one more episode of the State of Retention Marketing podcast. I try to bring in people from the marketing and product and founder ecosystem to have conversations around a subject that should matter to a lot of us. user engagement and retention we link it very strongly to the build of a sustainable business and today i have here vipul vipul alawadi runs a company called kutumb uh, a very interesting play on how community play can work out in a context of india and i would let vipul really run his introduction and tell us uh, where he's come from what his journey has been and what led to the start so we are a community play for indian audiences uh, so anybody who is basically a non english speaking user in india is is our target user base we we basically serve uh, communities in 10 languages all of them indian languages uh, so far uh, been doing this about, for about 2 and a half years now uh, prior to this uh, my backgrounds are basically from uh, a town in haryana called sirsa i went to iit for for studies and uh, yeah started my career with a small startup again called zylun which which might not appear on on my linkedin profile today so uh, but but that's where uh, and then even prior to that my startup journey actually started way back in college wherein i did a couple of internships with a uh, few of the startups one of them was lenscart and it's a big company today so uh, just had a very sort of innate inclination towards startups uh, by i think the virtue of just being uh, able to test the waters out in the early phases of my career so had had that in mind joined uh, zylun uh, as as my first company which was a seed stage startup at the time uh, zylun as a company didn't work out and i moved to uh, a bigger company called american express um, uh, to basically sort of get get some uh, level of financial uh, stability in in my uh, um, career at the time Uh, eventually wanted to start up uh, all along and moved to bangalore joined another startup called pratilipi did uh, product management there for about a year now and uh, yeah so while we were at pratilipi uh, i met uh, my other co-founders there uh, all of us basically had this uh, thing of, of wanting to start up uh, uh, there right so Uh, the idea was uh, basically not generated from a problem to start with but it was more of uh, uh, wanting to start up in the first place so that was the first mo- motivation and then we sort of went looking for the problem statement right uh, in doing so we had couple of uh, constraints couple of alignments in mind uh, one was specifically with respect to the team right uh, what are some of the things that we as a team are good at so we knew that Uh, we are probably good at let's say building consumer products than let's say large scale b2b uh, saas products 
for example right so those were some of the constraints that we put around on on the kind of problem statements that we were looking at uh second i think it came more naturally in net retrospect is uh, building for the bharat audience itself right so the company that we were working for uh, pratilipi was also in uh, a very similar space uh, with respect to the user base that we were serving right so uh, and then all four of us co-founders also come from tier 2 tier 3 backgrounds ourselves right so that that sort of uh works uh, better in terms of just understanding the pain points and so on right so these two three constraints uh, we started with and then we sort of started to look out um, uh, for problem statements started talking to a lot of users uh, potential users back home uh, users of pratilipi users uh, all across uh, to to basically try and understand what do they do in their day to day life we had some idea of it from our own experiences sure but we wanted to double click on that we wanted to also basically hear from them as to what are some of their top of the mind uh, needs as of today that that are not being served by by uh, a company or a product out there right so this idea of communities i think basically came out as a very sort of stated need uh, from one of our users who basically said that he wanted an app Uh, dedicated app rather for the, their own community right that was sort of the seed idea where it started now once uh, we heard that we basically took a step back and started to question uh, why is he asking for a you know dedicated app for their own community what it's it that the other products out there are not being able to serve or or cater to uh, for this user for for him to be asking for for a separate app right so we basically double clicked on that try to understand the problem statements um, uh, deeper and yeah uh, the journey went on from there so two and a half years and 10 million monthly active users now yeah it's quite a phenomenal journey but i'm going to zoom into the whole founder bit a little bit uh, mm-hmm. you said you were four co-founders who mm-hmm. came together before the idea was really really uh, concretized in some sense mm-hmm. and this was because you got along well with these people or was this more thought through into the kind of complementary skills they're supposed to bring to the table how did this no I choice think, of founders think, come together yeah so i think it was more uh, around just wanting to start up in the first place just aligning so, ourselves to sort of uh, the common interest to start with obviously there was some level of complementary skills that played into it but i think the primary uh, factor was um, some level of uh, i think uh, alignment on the interest and the lookout and the problem statement itself and given that all for you four of you were at pratilipi help matters in terms of understanding the market you are going after which is the bharat the indian language yep. market yep. and you're now covering 10 languages as you said right mm-hmm. all right so now we have the co-founders you've zoomed into the community application because the user had strong opinions about this and mm-hmm. you dug, uh, dug deeper into the why of it and then what was the journey like you know so from the concept to prototyping uh, to getting the first 100 users in what was that journey like basically we started with uh one single community so we didn't really want to basically develop the platform let's say for let's say hundreds of communities and then later found out whether it works or not so what we said let's let's basically break it down to a single community let's try and make it work as as a product and then take it from there right uh so uh, again stated it was a dedicated app for a community but uh, starting out we knew that obviously we can't do uh, one app for each community so we had a platform play in mind for longer term 
but we wanted to uh, sort of prove it out to ourselves for a single community at least right so we started out with a community called uh, teachers of rajasthan so essentially all the government school teachers in rajasthan basically came together on that community so that was the first one uh, basically launched the app uh, uh, with with that name itself right so the headline on our um, play store at the time basically uh, said uh, teachers community okay. rajasthan teachers community right so Uh, brought in a couple of people who we were already talking to while doing the user research right so that's the interesting bit right uh, wherein uh, you at least have first few users uh, single digits if not uh, tens of them already if you are building a useful product because that need would have basically come from some or the other user right so those were the people we started to onboard right those these were admins of communities uh, of of similar sorts on other platforms they were running small or big groups um, on on other platforms um, we brought them in they liked the product uh, at least the first uh, mvp of it they started to bring in some of their uh, members from those platforms to to kutum right uh, so that was the first uh, few users on the platform uh, obviously it didn't uh, work out in the first go itself when we like took the first version to to uh, the admins who wanted to be on board they didn't like the product there there were a lot of things missing we took that feedback iterated on it very quickly and sort of after like third or fourth iteration is when um, uh, the guy eventually sort of uh, started to like it uh, to a point wherein he was able to tell other uh, people in this community to to come and join that platform right he has to basically go out and then uh, ask other people to join this this platform so it has to really make sense for him to be able to do that so the code that i've heard often is uh, if you're not embarrassed about your mvp you're probably built too much yep and was this something as a product person very cognizant of because you said your mvp was really a very stripped down kind of mm-hmm. version which was not good enough which is not good news maybe good news mm-hmm. but then you figured that path forward from there fairly quickly mm-hmm. uh so what was the definition of this mvp in, in your current uh, way of looking at it yep so uh basically uh, if you uh, zoom that back to the stated need right basically that guy wanted an app for their community and what he said was um uh, people are uh, and then if you sort of double tap on that the need there was one uh on on platforms like uh, whatsapp he was not being able to manage let's say a large community whatsapp that at that time didn't allow people more than uh, 256 members right uh, on uh, another platform like facebook the community aspect of it is quite hidden um, um, from a ux standpoint right so the discoverability was a challenge so these i think two major problem statements that is is what we wanted to solve for at least in the first go right mm-hmm. so we basically said that we will not put a limit on number of people that can join the community we will show the community right in front right in this case the whole product was for single community so that sort of amplified the whole uh, um, uh, solution to the problem so yeah these two were the things that we wanted to uh, uh, basically test upon rest was a vanilla app uh, in that sense that you could post things you can you can consume content you can like on them uh even commenting was not there for example right so people would just post content other people would get notified of that of that content and yeah that that's really about it so pretty much started off as like a infinite size whatsapp group yep 
and which was where uh, the guy was happy to socialize this or was he asking for more before he would do that you know they were they were asking for more right so um, obviously whatsapp groups maybe if you look at that uh, there are f- features and functionalities that that's not bare bone right you right. it looks simple but it's not uh, in that sense right so uh, more features more needs came in when they saw that okay this is something that could work but i need this one more feature to to be able to actually make it work for me right so for example uh, people could post but uh, that person couldn't really see uh, who are other members uh, in the community so right we didn't really build it out per se right now within that uh, people wanted to basically see that uh, where are my members coming from right so from each state and city they want to see how many members we have from each state and city so we built a, um, a members directory in in accordance with that right so that was probably the second feature um and then so on right so they wanted to also showcase their team uh, on the app so you know building out a, a team page on the app um, uh, showing all the admins and moderators and so on of, of the community so yeah these were some of the features that came in uh, before uh, it it actually started to make sense i would say this is a zero to you know one kind of very very uh, hands on very conversation driven with the current set of users i would imagine mm-hmm. that take, took you to a certain level and at what point did you start let's say stepping back from the conversation side of things to the metric side of things mm-hmm. and i'm i'm sure there was a transition of some sort it's not like one point you stop talking to people yep. but how did that uh, kind of start where you start to now look at okay how many conversations i'm having per day or how many people are opening my app every day and so on at what point did that start for you yep sure so i think uh, it's actually been both from day 0 i would say uh, not maybe day 0 but let's say uh, whatever like you know from the point let's say we started to have double digit number of users metrics was a thing um, and on the other end of it even today obviously we talk to a lot of our users on a day to day basis right so it's it's a basically been both always but obviously the proportions change uh, and so on right so um, i think from a metric standpoint some of the early metrics started to kick in as soon as we had double digit number of users right so mm. we had analytics in place from day 0 i think that that's basically came in uh, from from our previous experiences of your product guy you are going to be looking at analytics from zero fair yeah. yep so uh, yeah the double digit users we were looking at their retention on on that day itself. what were these metrics so retention can be in multiple ways as well yep. there is so, the d7 versus the m5 or whatever so what were the things with day one right so yeah. i mean uh, we'll start to next day yep so uh, like whatever we launched day one retention was like the core of uh, things on oh, no, to start with sure. that was the closest sort of metric that you can uh, lead leading most metric that you can track in terms of retention mm. even prior to that uh, engagement right if mm. 10 people are opening the app how many them, of them are actually really engaging with the content consuming the content uh, at least one or two people out of those 10 are they even creating the content and so on right so uh, you start to measure from there uh, but the journey was quick from let's say 10 to 100 so it sort of became easy to even look at metrics uh, Uh, early on mm. but yeah i think uh, been doing that from for for as uh, long as i remember right so, and that's a choice you learned from your days at prathilipi and perhaps before yep. and uh, you know at what point did this become from a teachers of rajasthan app to a teachers app to a second third fourth fifth whatever community it was uh, quick in the sense that we knew that we can't obviously make it work with a single community so as soon as we basically uh knew that this one is working uh, in in some sense for these people uh 
the single uh, community uh, product we thought that there are two ways to uh, uh, basically expand on the thesis or prove it out to ourselves right uh, one part of the thesis is that uh, this one community that's that we have onboarded they should stick with the product uh, for for a long period of time right they should basically keep using it uh, the engagement should increase they should stick to the product the second part of the thesis was that can we make it work for 10 communities uh, different kinds of communities or not without either of these uh, the product doesn't really uh, work um, uh, in, at the end right so both of them were important important so as soon as we started to have some early signs uh, we we branched two ways wherein we said we will we'll onboard a couple of more communities at least two three of them so that one part of the thesis on, on that side uh, is, is working and then the other part of it was uh, uh, for the product to really make work for uh, all of those communities right uh, in doing so i mean the second part of thesis which is about making it work for multiple communities uh, basically gave us some learnings on the kind of communities that would also work uh, on the platform right so there were some learnings on that bit as well uh, in the other day. I'd love to zoom in on this part because the expansion from uh, the first validation so to speak that it's working for this group mm -hmm. but will it now work for this group this group this group and these groups have their own identities and you mentioned uh, when we were speaking about the nature of these groups mm -hmm. maybe you can delve a little deeper into how this whole experimentation play ran because in my impression that's the approach you would have taken mm -hmm. so just let us understand a little bit about what were the choices you made on who do we experiment with whether it's valid uh, you know whether the hypothesis is proven or otherwise and how do you play from there yep so uh, experimentation was really on uh, so validation of experimentation right it basically boiled down to uh, both qualitative and quantitative feedback that we were getting right qualitative feedback is uh, uh, basically talking to that person who's using the product and really trying to understand whether uh, they even uh, have noticed something that we have built or not right that's the first sort of uh, sign of it if they are actually liking something they're using it they would remember it right and uh, in most of the cases if some something is not useful to you uh, you would end up sort of ignoring it and you might not even remember it for that matter, right? So that was, I think, the play in terms of uh, the first sort of qualitative uh, feedback. Quantitative was uh, much simpler in that sense, right? He, every feature he would have uh, some sort of KPI that you would uh, track it uh, against and mm -hmm. I think we would uh, want to break that KPI down to, uh, I think, immediate or quickest uh, uh, leading metrics, right? And from a KPI standpoint or quantitative feedback standpoint, the lookout was really to bring it out to day zero leading metrics instead mm -hmm. of waiting for let's say a week or a month to, to actually get to the results. Which means if you have launched a new feature, you will want to see how many people as of today are even trying this out, if they found it intriguing enough because it's based on some amount of user insight. Mm -hmm. And that adoption, if it's meaningful, then that gives you a thumbs up that oh, this is working for you. Yep, yep. So the leading metric would in this case just be the opening of that particular section or? Yeah, so I mean, it depends on, on uh, things like, so for example, if it's creation, you would want to see how many people are, let's say, create, uh, clicking on, a, on the create button, but would also want to see how many people are eventually creating, uh, content. Uh, cre creating content and how much of that content is actually valuable uh, to the community, right? A lot of it could really be not very useful as well, right? So uh, you, would, you would look at that and then uh, on the same day itself, you would at least want to 
talk to some of those people who have actually created our content sure. and uh, try and understand uh, do they like it or not um, is that something that we can do, do better with respect to the feature um, uh, do they not like it why do they not like it and so on so this is a lot of uh, the founders themselves doing this both sides they're watching the data as well as the conversation so the mm. the feedback loop and the application within the product would be very very fast yep so i think uh, for the longest of times um, uh, we had a very lean team we still do right so um, uh, actually two of us are co-founders we come from product background so that sort of helped that we had two hands on the table and uh, so we used to do it all by ourselves uh, for for a long period of time uh, before like the first pm the team joined in so uh, keeping the loop short and that actually comes a lot by just keeping the team lean so i think that's something that we still do today yeah but yeah that that has been the common sort of thread you know some uh, of the people might resonate better with uh, a discord which is meant for india for a very very indian bharat audience essentially and uh, kutum has occupied that space for a lot of these indie communities and now when i want to, uh, want to zoom in on the fact that uh, you were metric obsessed from day zero uh your first pm was much later you were doing that hat yourself so you were pretty obsessed uh, as founders yourselves on the whole metric play how was the team expansion playing out while this was happening so you know you went from 0 to x number of users that was maybe the first milestone help us understand the major milestones of your journey from 0 to now and how did the team build up play out both product and marketing uh, components yep so um team wise i think um, we have just four pms in the team as of today right so that's that's the precursor to there's not been a lot of expansion on that front sure. so so there's not a lot of milestones that i can talk about but uh, i think it was more need driven um, we didn't really hire for the future um, and and you might want to do that if you are a growing company um, and then you know you could you could foresee some of the needs that would come uh, your way but uh, in the early journey that's not the case right so now we have started to do some of that but uh, early on we really hired when we were sort of uh, sure or squeezed out on some of the things that we were doing right ki ye ab humse to nahi ho pa raha we we need help and, and mm-hmm. let's let's get somebody else on board who can do do this full time uh, more more uh, with more focus and so on right so that was the hiring framework early on and that common thread still sort of remains that we don't hire unless we are very very sure that we can give uh, enough to that person uh, uh, for for them to be motivated and consumed right so um, that's the common thread so that happened for product uh, first because uh, um, a number of things that we were doing uh, within the product and uh, we hired first pm and then we sort of uh, stopped there for like one year post that we didn't hire an another pm uh, last two three people have come in in last like last one year or so so that started with product and then marketing came in much later wherein uh, um we basically hit a scale of more than i think 500k daus is is where uh, marketing came in wherein we thought that uh, okay the initial traction is well and good and it's working out but then uh, you also need to systematize it to a level wherein you can scale it to 10x to 100x of that yes, you got to 500k now without a marketer on the team yeah how did that come about what were the things that helped this build up 
Yeah, so I think uh, having uh, more uh, people in the team within the founders uh, definitely helped. So we sort of had a complementary and self-sufficient skill set within the founding mm -hmm. team. I think that that's uh, something that helped. So uh, between me and Abhishek, uh, we switched gears here and there, but both of us did both product and marketing at, at different times. So I think uh, being able to uh, do that within the founding team is, is I think, the key to Amazing. You know, what, so how. at what point did you spend the first dollar on acquiring app installs or activations, however you define it? Um, okay, so that's an interesting one. So uh, on the end installs, we don't spend any dollars even today. Right? Okay. So um, our model is that where uh, we basically onboard the community moderators or the admins who are running the community and they bring in their users, right? So the end users is something that we don't really um, acquire by ourselves. It's the job of the admins who are running mm -hmm. the community. They, they bring in their users from wherever they want to. Um, so uh, acquiring the admins uh, for the longest of times, again, has been very organic. So we, we do a lot of branding uh, campaigns to acquire those admins. But direct acquisition, even even for them, is, is a difficult one. So I think more on the branding and education side of things, um, uh, we started early on and um, beyond a point, obviously, uh, beyond the 500k mark that I talked about, right? Uh, that is when we started to spend uh, some bit on uh, acquiring the admins and such. But for the mm -hmm. end installs, we still, uh, even today, we don't spend anything. So, but this is still the same major app called Kutum, which will have different communities within that overarching structure, right? Mm -hmm. Which means each admin will come in, create an account, create his community and start inviting people to install that app and enter that community, so to speak, or join that group, so to speak. And yep. within the context of that group, you have different components of community elements involved. Sure. Uh, and from a 500k DAU is quite a substantial number to kind of wait till that point where you have meaningful PMF, meaningful number of different communities running. And within this framework, uh, you mentioned about communities which are oriented in India around maybe religion, maybe around caste, maybe around social topics. What did that spectrum look like in terms of, uh, you know, validation that you know now that this kind of communities we can deal with, this is still new. So what was that journey of uh, evolution? Okay. So I think uh, kind of communities that basically are created even today, lies uh, across different dimensions that the person sort of uh, relates to or uh, associates to in their own day-to-day -day life, right? So if you think about uh, somebody who's a um, uh, Hindi speaker in uh, um, a town in Madhya, Madhya Pradesh, uh, they would associate with, let's say, communities that are around their locality or their city or a village, right? They would probably associate with... Uh, um, one or the other deities or religions that they follow, right? They would associate maybe with the kind of uh, profession that they are associated with. So teachers are a good example, right? So a lot of uh, trade unions and uh, unions uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, you also have interests on the board, but then uh, it tends to be somewhat political uh, more often than not and then uh, so uh, I would put both religion and politics uh, in the interest buckets and beyond that uh, in south we've seen for example a lot of fan communities uh, or, or fan clubs for a lot of uh, actors uh, in, in the south uh, right so these are different kind of communities that sort of came in what we realized is that uh, anything that has a very deep connection 
in the offline world is is basically what sort of uh, gets uh, transferred and gets replicated on the platform as well right so if you think about a use case or an interest that is fickle in nature in in the offline world as well for that user basically doesn't translate well uh, into their behavior online as well interesting the reason i asked that question is because every one of them might have their own nuanced needs and a separate pmf journey in some sense right mm-hmm. because where are you able to solve for teachers with a bunch of product components and features mm-hmm. how much of a difference would it be to solve for i don't know rajnikanth fans in south and is mm-hmm. that a substantial overlap or was this a distinct journey for you to understand that pmf i think probably 50% of it is obviously common right people yeah. create content people consume content so right. that's a loop that yeah. doesn't change with the kind of community that there is uh, beyond that uh, some of the top of the mind needs apart from this core loop does change for for some bit for example i earlier talked about uh, the members directory bit wherein people wanted to basically know where all my members are coming from so that's maybe more uh, suitable for somebody who's running a uh, organized uh, uh, play right um, a trade union for example right versus uh, for a rajnikanth fan club that might not be that important but for them what's important is uh, to be able to share things outside uh, the platform itself right so mm-hmm. some of the uh, features or or additions to the platform came in as as and when we had more types of communities coming in came in and then um, listening to their needs but i think uh, a large part of it is common but then obviously um, these needs uh, keep coming in and you build on top of that but what's interesting is uh let's say we built uh, a very shareable content sort of uh, thing for for a fan club that now becomes important even for a, uh, a community that was already there for which it was not a top of the mind sure. right so it was probably on on third or fourth on my agenda but it's still useful for me for me so it it sort of complements uh, in that way where was headed with this was uh, really the whole term of segmentation mm-hmm. right because you will want to understand cohort repeat rates engagement d1 retention across various different segment cuts mm-hmm. and is the nature of community one of the major ways of slicing your audience because 500k dau is not small i'm sure there is a variety of audiences in there mm-hmm. and in order to understand the behavior of who's doing what and how is it working out and whether it's working out or not mm-hmm. you will want to cut this down to a bunch of slices mm-hmm. and that's where us trying to understand if community was the right lens to cut it with or what are the other lenses that you would cut this down with i think two of them i think community category is definitely one but we also break it down by community size as well right so um, we have communities as big as like 20 lakh members on the platform right so somebody who's running a 20 lakh member community versus somebody let's say who's running a 200 member community their needs might be very very different sure right so i think these are the two major uh, dimensions that you cut across uh, to look at behaviors to look at uh, usage patterns and so on you so mentioned d1 retention being one of the largest drivers of how you were understanding this pattern right mm-hmm. and if you just slice slicing this down and that's where i was trying to understand that there were different cuts that would get involved at your level on your dashboard that okay this is working this is not working for this community versus for this community and you know the decision making from a product feature or mapping the prioritization of all those things would get originated somewhere there right mm-hmm. so i would love to just zoom in on that bit okay so um from a retention standpoint we have some baseline metrics in mind right uh, be- beyond which we say that this is not working right so there like i think uh, two three zones of it i, I would say 
the lowest is wherein you say that it's not working versus just above that benchmark is where you would want to basically say that hey there is something in it but it's not quite working yet right and then there is a zone wherein you feel comfortable that it's okay and then there is a zone wherein it's great right so uh, anything that is not in the like bottom most zone wherein you say that it's uh, basically not even worth uh, continuing or experimenting with or iterating mm. upon you leave uh, it at that uh, and then anything beyond that you would want to work upon right now something that just passed that mark you would want to iterate and bring it to the satisfactory uh, scale right if it doesn't touch that you would still end up not continuing with it right so that's the kind of framework we put it put on uh, features or the kind of communities or the kind of segments that you want to work this with this has bearing on your acquisition side as well because if religion as a community is doing well for you you will go after more admins from that ecosystem on mm-hmm. one side mm-hmm. and uh, from a feature perspective if this is leading to an increased engagement and maybe more retention on day 1 and day 3 if let's say polls got in with trade unions and they give you a greater retention because people want to participate in polls whenever they launch mm-hmm. that should automatically mean that you will invest further in you know making a more sophisticated approach with polls mm-hmm. so i was just trying to zoom in that uh, the bearings of a d1 whatever the cuts are touch across various things yep so yeah uh, you rightly pointed that out so it cuts on the feature side of things that whether i want to um uh, implement this feature or not but uh, it does definitely impact uh, on the kind of uh, targeting that we do on marketing side as well the kind of segments that we reach out to and open up the platform for at least uh, uh, from our effort standpoint right obviously there would be people who would still keep coming in by their own but then uh, from our own uh, reach out standpoint we would want to target the segments that that work the best so vibble what i was trying to zoom into was a lot of companies that do mobile app install based affairs they tend to optimize for the cost per install and then they stop there and then the rest of the journey is handshaken to somebody else and uh, not necessarily you will see people looking at d1 d7 d30 mm-hmm. in the light of what kind of customers are they acquiring mm-hmm. so that's where i'm a little fascinated when you say that okay now if you know that this is working for you it also goes back as feedback to the acquisition side of things to play it out and in some sense uh, how did this orchestrate is this a conscious choice you've tried to make sure that the teams talk to each other because the guy who's acquiring customers vis-a-vis the guy who's retaining probably mm-hmm. have different teams with different priorities yep so how does this play out in your case um okay so it's not different priorities i would say because for even our marketing team uh, retention is part of their kpi right they they just don't end at uh, acquiring the users per se right at least uh, d7 retention is some, something that we track so once you know d1 d7 you can have some idea of where the d30 would look like and that's where the job of marketing team actually ends right so uh, it's a function of people talking to each other uh, right uh, sort of uh, metrics to chase for for each of the teams and also be enabling uh, uh, them to be able to do that right so for the marketing team what that means is they should be able to basically attribute uh, what they are doing uh, to how it's actually resulting into the um, user engagement and retention right so from a data pipeline standpoint what that means is that each of uh, our marketing campaign should be attributable to to the retention piece right so uh, i think yeah building that culture of uh, uh, setting up the right goals that's one uh 
in doing that you have to obviously enable teams to talk to each other to be able to do that right so the marketing team has to really get into the heads of the product teams to understand that if something's not working out what could be the reason it's not working mm-hmm. out and is there a product intervention or or maybe a marketing intervention that we can do to make it work uh, from a retention standpoint or not and then giving them tools to be able to do that right so that's how it it uh, works so i'm going to do a lot more uh, drilling into this bit because this is where a lot of people struggle essentially uh, you spoke about building the data pipes to make sure that the acquisition side and the attribution side of the information mm-hmm. is able to link to the retention side of the information mm-hmm. so there's a certain amount of tooling and a certain amount of people mapping that understand this bit and are able to feed this back into their marketing plays right mm-hmm. so from a kind of skills that you bring to the table the marketing team you got involved at the 500k diu level what was uh, the charter given out that you going to acquire users but the kpi can't be below d30 i mean d30 can't be below this is this how you orchestrate this yeah it's it's more or less in in that zone wherein uh, the their primary uh, task is to obviously acquire users but with a baseline uh, retention and engagement number right uh, what happens is uh, from a skill set and charter standpoint obviously all of those people didn't really start out with that particular kpi right i think it's uh, part of their onboarding journey and their growth journey within the company wherein we started to give them more visibility and more feedback and more responsibility on to some of these metrics later on right so they started probably with just getting things going from a purely acquisition standpoint uh but then over time uh, when uh, they're on board they they're into the uh, uh, whole uh, drill uh you start to give them more uh, bigger picture uh, of of sorts you start to tell them okay uh, it's not just about acquiring the one is important uh, this viewpoint uh, uh, for them to be able to develop that it takes some time but then eventually over time that is what we wanted to do which is where the culture and the founders really drilling this down becomes super critical because otherwise they're fighting their own battles and you're actually making their job maybe 2x or 3x harder mm-hmm. you know to get an install for a certain cost was hard enough already because of the nature of competition mm-hmm. and now you say it's not enough to get installs it's also important to get the d70 30 sorted mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned a certain bit about uh, the whole admin play in terms of getting more community admins into the game as a critical way of expanding mm-hmm. and uh, i'm i'm trying to understand the whole retention metric for that guy might look a little more nuanced in terms of things he's supposed to do right when mm-hmm. he came in did he bring 10 more people in or whatever mm-hmm. so what are those subsequent events that you link back to retention mm-hmm. which is not pure uh, daily activity at d7 or d30 but there are other things that get involved yep yep so i think from an admin standpoint if you look at it uh what you would want to see is one out of let's say 100 people that you're bringing in how many are really getting activated and when i say activated for us that means that all of these people should ideally bring in at least 10 people within uh, their communities right that is when uh, the community is activated otherwise i mean if you have like two three people uh in a large uh, uh, broader context it really doesn't mean anything for them so community activation is one thing that you would look at uh then second is community growth itself uh, so let's say this is activated is fine but then you would want to see how many of these communities are actually becoming large communities 
right? So that would basically uh, tie back to the acquisition cost bit, right? So that's the second thing, same thing that we look at. Uh, and the third one is uh, the members that are coming in from these two leading uh, metrics that we talked about. We look at now these members that have come in. Now, what are they doing on the platform? Are they sticking to it or not? So they, that is where I think the engagement and retention bit comes in. This is fundamentally, there's a lot of plumbing that gets involved in making sure these data pipes are all sorted. And you are talking about like matter of fact that this is available in D0. Mm -hmm. So in your sense, who's the architect of this entire uh, data architecture to plumb all of this together? Mm -hmm. This is, in my impression, this is not something which is like available, super, super straightforward on the shelf, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, it's not even, uh, I think, smooth even today. Some of it is still a lot of, uh, you know, manually stitching of, of sure. stuff on a weekly basis. Uh, but yeah, over time, um, just having that mindset that, okay, this is a bread and butter of how we want to operate. That helped in pushing ourselves to look for tools, look for... Uh, products that can solve it for mm. us. Uh, so we, we basically um, iteratively built that pipeline over time, but then um, it's still not there yet, right? Because of just the, how complex the loop looks, some of it is still manual, but um, the lookout has been, uh, if, if you basically think of it from a marketing person standpoint, right? Because they have to track this metric, they would want to make their job easier. So they would keep uh, going out to look for tools that, that does that for them, right? Sure. So, uh, just, just setting the end goal and then sort of uh, reiterating on that every now and then, um, basically, basically, essentially meant that people would want to uh, solve for, for the data pipeline bit um, along the way. So in your case, at least the nuances of the use cases are still more complex in terms of community creation, scale-up, engagement. But even for simpler spaces like e-commerce transactions, in my impression, this is not like a salt commodity problem. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenge that comes in is from the fact that uh, nobody's obsessing over it the way you guys are. Mm -hmm. The only other bunch that I've seen being obsessed with this is people from the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. For them, uh, if they've driven installs and they're not, let's say, adding money to the wallet, that mm -hmm. install is not worth the while. Yep. So I was, and you know, from there I'd learned some lessons around how interventions now start to play a role because while of course you will keep optimizing the acquisition sources and try and optimize that, okay, this group should retain at a certain level, but that's re 30. Mm -hmm. You will not wait for 30 days for this to kind of have a certain outcome and then say, okay, I need to stop acquiring. Mm -hmm. You might start making interventions during the D1 to the D30 stage itself to get some of these people back into the engagement. Sure. In your case, because it's community, my simple impression would be content redistribution that somebody's posted something on the group mm -hmm. might itself be a way to get people back into the game, right? Mm -hmm. So what are the things that happen in the course of the user's D0 to D10 journey, mm -hmm. which have the largest bearing on him coming back to the platform? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it's, it's basically two, three things that are essentially core to the user's journey. First and foremost is uh, just, just coming on the platform and realizing that, hey, there are so many people around me of the same interest, right? So if you sort of come to the platform, explore uh, other people's profiles and then uh, really find at least one or two people whom you, you can relate to very well, either they are from your own, uh, let's say, city or uh, from around your area, uh, or you know them from before, uh, something like that, right? So that's one thing that plays in mind, that relatability to the people around is this something that uh, is, is sort of an aha factor. Second is uh, having one or two 
uh, aha moments in terms of the content consumption itself right so there's a lot of content that's being posted and uh, uh, what you want as a user is that uh, things should be very very relevant for me uh, as a user obviously it's the one it is being posted in the context of the community itself but even within that spectrum you there would be things that you would be like okay with and but then there are things that you would really resonate very well with right so having one or two uh, deep uh, consumptions is is uh, i think uh, the second uh, part of uh-huh. the things yep so to certain extent you mentioned about a community of 2 million people mm-hmm. do you engineer aha moments or is this largely organic how do you do that i mean beyond a point which is uh, a lot organic it's uh, depends on what kind of uh, uh, need and what kind of broader user base that use case itself has mm-hmm. in the outside world uh, so yeah i mean beyond let's say 1000 2000 members uh, it's all organic i mean you can't really do much beyond let's say bringing 2000 people on board uh, mm-hmm. you have sort of uh, solved for most part at least for the user side of things obviously for the admins larger community means a lot more tooling around being able to manage those people right so that's something that you would do but that's more from uh, a standpoint of uh, not letting it break rather than to make to to basically make it work right sure So, you know, what I'm going to try and zoom in on the intervention side, like we spoke about earlier, was there are things that in the user's own experience organically that happen to make sure he gets that aha moment and he's happier and he's going to come back. But uh, in our e-commerce world, we call it the groove frequency. That if you've gone through this certain user journey, the retention post that ends up being 80-90%. Mm-hmm. So, in your play, you mentioned about a couple of aha moments. And while, of course, there are heuristics around relatability that you spoke about. but there'll also be data driven indicators of if this set of users has funneled through this experience the repeat rate from then on or the engagement post that mm-hmm. becomes substantially better mm-hmm. so do you engineer some of those user journeys in a certain direction or enable better discovery of those sticky content pieces or sticky uh feature components mm-hmm. to improve retention as such mm-hmm. yeah so two things that i talked about right one was uh, connecting with other people second one is consuming the content sure right so connecting with other people essentially means that you should have some tangible uh, connection or interaction on the platform so platform pay essentially uh, in terms of uh, these interactions you can either follow these people or you can uh, even chat with them uh, via message or you can sort of greet them on a day to day basis and so on right so there are two three ways you can interact uh, with with you know, people on the platform so what we are looking at essentially is that uh, have you in this meaningful uh, very tangible way interacted with at least three four people or not mm-hmm. right so that's one part on the interaction or connecting with people side of things so essentially follow message and then greet for example either of these three have you done that uh, at least for three four uh, at least with three four people or not right second is on the content consumption piece it's much simpler because uh, that's a uh, engine wherein uh, uh, you basically get notified about the trending content on the community when you open the app that's the first thing that you see that you see so uh, content is something that you keep seeing so what we want to see is that have you actually liked or commented on on a couple of contents along this period or not right so that is what we are trying to get you to wherein you're interested in that content that means you would like it or comment it and once you do that we know that okay you you basically gotten the core value out of uh, uh, the product now 
So which is where uh, the kind of nudges you make to the user to orchestrate the first interaction side of things slash the content discovery side of things mm -hmm. is the part I was trying to zoom into that, mm -hmm. you know, if I have not, let's say, followed somebody or interacted with somebody, would you nudge me to do that? Mm -hmm. And what would that nudge look like? Yeah, so it's two, three folds, I think. The first one is when you open the app, those are really the things that you should see, things that you want the user to be doing on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis. And that's what is even the core activation feature in that sense, right? So I think prioritizing those things visually within the product is something that you do. Mm. Um, so your visual hierarchy of your product should essentially represent the uh, use case or the need hierarchy of, of those users, right? So that's one. Beyond that, I think um, push notifications is definitely a big uh, part of, of um, reiterating on the same use case, nice. uh, nudging the users to, to do the same things a uh, couple of times again. And given the nature of uh, the diversity of these communities and these user actions, the only way I would imagine pushes could work is to automate and personalize. Yep. I would love to delve deeper into this that, okay, what kind of nudges uh, would you execute? And uh, I would imagine a lot of maturity and sophistication there, and that's what I would love to zoom into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, on automation side, I think actually non-automated is not a choice for us, right? So it's large product, large user base, um, doing things manually, just not uh, possible practically for us, right? So uh, we've been doing, uh, so automation has been the default uh, go-to way to, to do th things. So that has definitely helped. Uh, so in terms of nudges, I mean, you would have to imagine the um journey of the user uh, in in uh, a lot more detail uh, some of the examples that i could take is for example connecting with people right so uh, if let's say somebody from your own city or state has joined the same community it's more likely that you would want to sort of get to know them so this is one of the nudges wherein if a user from your same city has joined the same community we would notify them, hey, somebody uh, called this and that from your own city has joined this community. Would you want to talk to them? Sure. Do you want to connect with them? Right. So that's one of the things that happens automatically if, if somebody is coming in. And this uh, automatically would mean like a million odd pushes going on every day anyway. Yep. Uh, the second one is, uh, let's say on the content side also, if you're following someone and if they posted something of, of interest, you would get notified, hey, um, this guy has posted something. Um, are you, do you, do you want to check it out? Mm. Right. Third is more on the community level. You would also want to track some of the things that are trending within the community, irrespective of whether that's coming from somebody very uh, closely relatable to you or not. Uh, at a community level, if something is trending, that's something that's relevant to you, right? So uh, nudging those people out on on uh, content that's trending in the in the community. So these are two three examples. There are many of them, but yeah, I'm sure. Um, I wonder if you'd be able to put a finger on how many different such automations are running, and at what point in your journey did this start, and how mature is this now? Okay, number is hard for me to sort of uh, runs into uh, hundreds. Safe to say. Not hundreds, but it'll be a double digit number. Sure. Lower double digit number, but for sure mm. a double digit one. And then, uh, how many times a day is the question, second question? No, more in terms of sophistication, because I'm mm. sure you can identify uh, nuances within each of these, and there are rooms to, let's say, break this down into now two different kind of nudges, mm. is what I was trying to understand. So, you know, from a roadmap perspective, you said uh, you have a two digit number at this point. Mm. Is this an active area of interest to find nuances within this and actually increase the number of uh, 
automations that are clear so it uh, basically is more on the lines of looking for features or interventions themselves that are important right so mm. once uh, we set up let's say a particular for example i told you about people who are joining in from your uh, city right uh, within city now it's slightly hard to basically uh, find you know it a little bit Perhaps. but what you might want to do is let's say somebody uh, even if somebody who's not from your city but in some way related to you and there are ways to, uh, for you to um, figure mm-hmm. that out mm-hmm. then you would still want to uh, extend this uh, intervention right so i mean i would call it a separate feature and not a tweak within the same uh, sure. sort of intervention but yeah the core uh, thesis that people want to connect with relatable people if you take that as a thread you would obviously want to um, experiment with a lot of is there a sort of hierarchy or a framework on how many nudges and what kind of nudges should go first and which will end up a better response rate and how do you develop cadence around it um i think more than how many i think it boils down to at least a two fold thing wherein how many and how relevant both are equally important right if you let's say send a lot many nudges but all of them are relevant uh, that's fine with you right for example whatsapp you get messages all day long but that's not something that sort of um, you get uh, antagonized by right so that's uh, on the relevant side of things so both is uh, a factors you have to marry in and then come mm. to come to a solution there so what we do is there's a baseline sort of uh day to day interventions that that goes out uh but but that's you want to keep that minimal and even within that you want to keep them relevant as much as you can right uh beyond that what happens is if a user is very engaged on the platform by the virtue of them being engaged uh, a lot of activity around that engagement is happening for example mm. if you posted something people are liking or commenting on that and content right so you would want to get notified On on that, right? So, uh, I think uh, engagement directly correlates with these kind of interventions or or sure. uh, feedback loops. So that that happens more or less naturally, mm-hmm. and then the baseline sort of nudges uh, uh, are are uh, um, something that you would want to keep at uh, uh, at a pace which is like uh, digestible to a average user. Sure. So, in some sense, this is automatically taking care of the frequency at which a user is communicated. A higher-engaged user will get more communications compared to a low-engaged user, mm-hmm. in some sense. And one of the things that we see often with user-generated content platforms is around five percent people create pretty much all of the content. Is that a topic that uh, you deal with as well? And is there a conscious effort to get more people to create content? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would want ideally to for for a lot more people to create content. Uh, what that creation essentially means that it's not really just about let's say creating the core content itself uh, if somebody is let's say even messaging somebody else on the platform they're putting in more effort in being engaged at the platform right mm-hmm. so you can basically uh, or, or even a comment for example is it's some sort of creation so what you want is you want people to put in more effort uh on the platform right and creation is um, an output of uh, mm. really that so if somebody is putting in more effort and they are getting some sort of feedback or reward out of it that's the loop that you want to create right sure. so um, we obviously want to for more people to do that but the way to do that is not by uh asking more people to 
basically create the same way rather creating more ways for people to create fair and in some sense uh, while of course you will create different opportunities for people to create content or engage with other on the platform which deepens their relationship in some fashion mm-hmm. and this would automatically translate into better retention subsequently because yep. if they are deeply involved in that lab on that's right in order to deepen the engagement and there are in my impression that the scale which you are operating at there will be people who will be active 7 days a month 20 days a month 30 days a month 10 times in a day there will be whole spectrum mm-hmm. so in terms of your own treatment of uh, these audiences and the ideal behavior that you want to steer them towards automatically from one tier of engagement to the next one i would imagine how do you play this out because ultimately you mentioned during our conversation that uh the mind space available to a user is what it is so he'll engage with your app or maybe a few other apps on this phone how does that entire architecture or in some sense that play look like so uh, the fundamental thought process in doing so is not to push users to uh, a particular behavior uh you would want to present things to them uh in a way that 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 makes sense for majority of the users beyond that what you ideally want is uh for the user to organically uh, take some action and then double click on that right what that means is that if uh, let's say uh, a user wants to connect with other people right if he's exploring more profiles um, of of other people on the platform you would want to then sort of double click on that and mm. want want to give them more opportunities to be able to do so right so uh, what i'm trying to say is you don't push for things that you want people to do uh, you you basically take things that they are already doing or already showing intent for mm. and then try and get deep, uh, get them deeper into that loop so in a very simplified e-commerce parlance this is like if somebody is adding stuff to the cart and abandoning it half way through you might as well find a way to recover that cart instead of sending them something new yep so some user behavior would trigger some kind of communication which would ideally be a completion of that of, of that loop itself so in that sense would uh, getting people to join more communities be a natural path is that something you steer people towards because if i have four communities maybe i'll be 2x engaged if not 4x yep so um, i think again it ties back to the previous answer mm-hmm. is you would want to see the intent that the user has or not so in terms of joining more communities Uh, what happens is if a user ends up joining a community that's not very relevant it's actually basically much more it's detrimental right. than than uh, mm. useful right so uh, ideally you would want the user to discover communities sure uh, more often if if they organically look for something that's even better you want them to join more communities but you want them to be uh, more relevant i think that's that's much more important than just joining a few more communities so i think for a long period of time uh, it's been organic uh, wherein we didn't even give uh, discovery as a feature on the uh, platform people were just getting invited to some of the communities by some of their peers and that is the only way mm-hmm. that was the only way for people to join another community we didn't really push for it uh, over time we have given some discovery layer but it's still uh, user has to put in effort to actually get into something because if you're basically getting into a community which is not very relevant to you and then you start to get a lot more content from there it actually basically dilutes the value proposition that you have in mind mm-hmm. for the overall platform uh, 
in your mind space yeah so the deepening of engagement is also a conscious one and not a rampant one you don't yeah. want engagement for the sake of engagement it rather move the user to a deeper layer of engagement with the platform very interesting vipul so maybe i'll come towards the end of this conversation but what i would love to still hear is the whole growth journey so far has been quite phenomenal uh, you're at 10 million now now what are the next big opportunities that you're thinking as the growth levers that will change things is it more about deeper engagements or is it more about more communities more use cases more languages what would those dimensions look like i think two three things obviously deepening the engagement is uh, something that you would want to keep doing so that's that's definitely there but purely from a growth standpoint i think uh, going out in more languages is, and when more geographies within india like having deeper penetration in some of the geographies that we are not very deeply penetrated into that's definitely one second one is to get to more use cases within the community space right at a larger theme right now we cater to like four or five of the community use cases uh, you would want to basically uh, look for more use cases uh, more types of communities that you can cater to uh, from a growth finance and that's one more journey of pmf after another right in some sense yep. is that how is that the lens you put on every incremental discovery it is it is for sure right for example um if you want to basically let's say build for 14 year olds for example we don't have any of them on the platform mm. today it has to be a very um 0 to 1 pmf sort of journey and i mean kind of from a team organization perspective the 0 to 1 experimental place is mm. still a large part of the founders let's say play area or they have like a team which is now looking at expansion and all these experimental spaces so it's it's divided obviously founders do look at both of the things um but it's divided between let's say the product team and the marketing team to sort of uh, do one part of the team is essentially working on zero to one things another part of the team is is looking at um, engagement and retention on a ongoing basis but from a founder standpoint obviously you have to focus on both of course So thank you so much for doing this Vipul extremely fascinating journey extremely fascinating uh, way that we've uh, kind of built an automation personalization and things that have come so naturally to you which a lot of first time founders struggle with so congratulations on your journey so far thank you so much for doing this thank you for inviting so that was a very fascinating conversation with Vipul i'm particularly happy about the fact that a lot of the stuff actually comes so naturally and so intuitively to him he doesn't even consider them a big deal The fact that he was metric obsessed from day zero because he was a product manager before, of course, helps matters in terms of how Kutumb is being built. I'm also amused about the fact that they did not have a marketer full time till they were about half a million daily active users. The fact that their marketers who are acquiring new users are also required to worry about D1 and D7 retention is also an uncommon thing, which is a great practice. I would imagine more mobile app companies should follow. The third piece, in my view, was the fact that the tech and the data teams are so deeply intertwined because all the insights that need to translate into action. They don't even see them in different light. So that's some interesting action happening, and we're wishing Vipul the best of luck and everything else that comes in the way of scaling. Them.